I wasn't sure how I was going to feel all week long coming here. Um, flood of emotion for sure. Um, <laughs> I wasn't ready for this, man, to be honest with you. Um, it is, my heart is so full this morning. Uh, to be able to come back, I was just kind of doing a lot of uh, math uh, this week, trying to figure out things, and we're coming up on almost two and a half years since the Lord called us out of here. And for some of you, I haven't seen you uh, since that time. Uh, there's a few of you that we've been able to stay in contact, and actually your pastor and I have a standing phone call every single week where we get together and just talk about life and ministry and things like that. So he keeps me up to date on what's going on, and it is so good to see uh, actually all of your faces this morning, from what I can see with those annoying masks that you have on. But um, man, it is so good. And and I was uh, when I was talking with Pastor Keefing, I said, hey, man, um, I'm excited. We finally settled on a date to come and to share. And I asked him, I said, hey, man, what do you want me to, to teach on? Do you want me just to kind of continue through the book of Acts? Is there anything that you, like, specifically that's on your heart that, hey, you'd like, love me for me just to teach? And he said that uh, the Lord will give you the word to speak. And he left me with that. Uh, and he said, God's going to provide the teaching that is going to be perfect for that day. And as a pastor, I have to say, amazing answer. I love that about Keefing. I would have given the same answer, but as a guest speaker, I hate that (laughs) because I'm very much into the systems and the plans and I've been teaching through books and I know where I'm going to be. But when he left me with that, I instantly was like, I don't know what to bring. God, I don't know what's on your heart. And I'm ready to press in and ask God, Lord, please give me a word. What do you want me to share with Resilient Life on that Sunday? And I believe God's given uh, me a word, and it was kind of cool because uh, he confirmed it for me this morning at 9 o'clock. Uh, we have an online prayer meeting before our normal service, and the first prayer, this guy prayed exactly what the message is today, and he has no idea what I'm teaching. And so I was like, Lord, you're so good. And even sitting here listening to that song that we just sang about, you know, that he's so good. And I started thinking about, yeah, that's easy for me to sing when it's good, <laughs> It's easy to say, yeah, God, you're good. Everything's good. But what about when you look at life and the circumstances you find yourself in are not? Is it as easy to sing that song? I'll be honest, no. Um, I had talked with Keefing, and, and we were going to share a little bit about kind of where we've been since it has been, you know, almost two and a half years. And I was thinking, well, where do I begin? Well, it begins with, honestly, praying what I think is one of the most dangerous prayers a Christian could pray, which is, Lord please keep me dependent upon you and I will go and do whatever it is that you want me to do. And I remember praying that prayer and all of a sudden my world began to just flip upside down or right side up if you look at it that way now. But I was, uh, we were sitting back here, I realized that I remember the Sunday that I sat back there, Pastor Keeping was teaching and the Lord told me it's time for you to go. And so leaving here was much like an Abraham type moment where we didn't understand, we didn't know, we couldn't figure it out. And I was thinking about Abraham and Abraham had it good. He was living under his father's roof. He had everything going on. Everything seemed to be settled and everything was good. And one day God said to Abraham, it's time for you to go. And we know the story. Abraham eventually leaves. He doesn't leave exactly when he's supposed to. And I did the same exact thing. The Lord had told me at a certain time it's time for you to go. And I didn't really go when it was that time. And I kind of held out maybe an extra four to six months uh, to do that. 
But I remember sitting back there, and all of a sudden, one Sunday, it just became crystal clear. And I remember going and telling Keith, we need to go get lunch now. And I laid it all out to him and Veronica uh, at Mod Pizza. And I was like, hey, th- I can't hold this anymore. i got to share this with you. So I, I remember telling him that. And so it, very much leaving here was a very Abraham-type moment for us where we just felt like God wanted us to do this. And we didn't know anything else other than that, other than it was go now. And that was it. And for some, I know that that might have been very confusing. I know for us it was very confusing. You guys all know that we finished out January. We left. We moved to Gilroy. We're down here. And I'm sitting there going, okay, cool. Now what, God? Well, it was cool the first Sunday that we weren't here. He gave me a place to go and speak. But then the following Sunday, there was nothing. And after that, it was literally sitting in pews. And I was like, Lord, what are you doing? You took me from being a senior pastor to moving me now to just sitting here. Like, what am I supposed to do with that? And that went on for five months. And I'll tell you, as a preacher, teacher, person who's been doing Sundays for years now, that was the hardest place for me personally to be. I think my wife and kids were kind of cool. We pumped the brakes a little bit, but for me, I just, I sat there and I'm itching. I'm like, God, I just want to teach. I just want to preach your word. But for five months, we sat there. It was hard. It was difficult. And so we ended up sitting there for a while and then we kind of got used to it. I realize now that the Lord was giving us a break. He was giving us a breather for what would actually become one of the toughest seasons that we've ever encountered in ministry as a family. Rolling into the summertime, my uh, daughter's plugged into youth group and gets invited to go to a youth camp. We're excited. We're, we're stoked. She's in there. She's hanging out with kids. And they go on this youth camp. They invited me to come up and speak the first night and set the tone. Kids gave their life to the Lord. Uh, kids rededicated their life to the Lord. And then we left that camp being like, okay, cool. Everything's good. Fast forward through the rest of the week, everyone returns and the vibe is completely weird. It's different. My daughter comes back and she's a little bit different. I'm like, man, what what happened? Well, I actually had a friend of mine who was up at the camp. He was a leader there. He works for us. And began to tell me some things about what took place at camp. Long story short, I don't want to get into the, the bloody, gory details of it. But what ended up happening was there were some leaders that were at this camp that had been experiencing things in their own personal, I don't know what, life, spiritual life, and decided to do things at that camp that are not biblical. There's no biblical backing for it. And my daughter was directly affected by this. So we come back home, and I'm sitting here going, what, are you kidding me? What ended up happening was we were deeply hurt by the situation that took place at this camp. So now we've been here, we're at this church for a few months, and then all of a sudden this thing takes place, and now we're like, you got to be kidding me, Lord. You called us away from here, brought us here, and now we're experiencing some of the deepest hurt we've ever experienced as a family. How can this be your plan? How could this be your will? And we went for a couple of months where we stopped going to church because we were confused, didn't know what we were supposed to do. And that whole entire year, it was just, it was just, just crazy. What ended up happening was, through these events, they ended up um, basically taking their youth apartment, their youth pastor and his wife, and they removed them from the youth ministry. No youth leader. So who did they ask to come in and take over the youth ministry at that time? Yours truly. I have to be honest with you, didn't want to do it. I love my kids, I love young kids, but I do not want to be a youth pastor again. And here I find myself. Not only was I then brought into this ministry to be a youth pastor again and oversee it, I have this team of people, leaders that I now have to work with that I do not agree with anything that they've been doing for years. 
long story short, they basically sent me in there to be the one that would go in there and clean up this ministry. And I was like, Lord, I feel like this is kind of like what you've had for me in my life is to clean things up. And I don't want to do it again. I'm tired. So we go through there. And I had about 10 youth leaders at the time. By the time it was all said and done, I was left with one. One youth leader. But the praise of the Lord on that is that that one youth leader who stuck it out for two years is now pretty much our youth pastor at this church. He got married and now he teaches the youth every single week and has all more of the house. And it's been amazing to see that. But I have to say, during that time, we went through some of the most difficult feelings, times in ministry that we've ever encountered. And a lot of you, we've done ministry and life together for a long time. We've encountered difficult things together. But this was really, really hard to the point to where we were on the verge of leaving. And then the Lord said, nope, this is exactly why I brought you here. We didn't realize, but you know, have you ever looked at a certain church or a ministry or looked at something and thought, man, they've got it together. They've got X amount of numbers and everything just seems to be firing on all cylinders. When we got to this place that appeared that way, what we realized when we got in and looked at it, it was not good at all. In fact, just recently, I had a heart-to-heart with the pastor of that church, and with tears in his eyes, he's like, I don't know if the church would have made it if you and your family had not come down here. Now, I quickly pointed to the fact that that it was the Lord using us, but we were very intricate in how God wanted to do that. And I wanted to say to you guys, say that you guys are a testimony of that too, because you guys allowed us to leave this place that we loved, and we were able to take that resilient heart life and attitude and then transplant it into another ministry and i'm proud to say that this church that i believe was on the verge of being demolished has now made it through and it is beginning to become one of the most healthy ministries that i've seen in a long 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 time and god has done an amazing work there and we're part of it now actually on easter they actually commissioned and prayed over me and made me an elder in the church so now i'm an elder there at the anchor my wife stepped in and she's been children's ministry director since we've been there. And so we're kind of doing a lot of the same things that we've always done just in a different field, but it's been rad to just see God's faithfulness. But as I was thinking about all the things that we've encountered over this time, I started to go back to that idea of man, God, like I don't want to just be a hearer of your word only, but I want to be a doer of your word because that's what your word tells me to do. And so when I was praying, Lord, what is it that you want me to share? He led me to James chapter 1. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to James chapter 1. And I want to read a portion of Scripture and then we'll pray and get into it. But um, again, looking at just the idea, I don't know, sometimes when I, when I would hear the word preached or I'd hear the word taught, I would receive it and I was glad when I'd receive it or I would struggle with it, but then it would end there. And as I looked at this, this portion of Scripture, I realized that, There's honestly a great responsibility that is placed on the person who hears the word of God. And James does an amazing job of explaining to this. So we're going to look at James chapter 1, beginning in verse 19. It says, understand this. That's already a really big, bold thing to say. He says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. But don't just listen to God's word. 
You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. Let's pray, church. Father, I thank you for your word. And we ask now, God, that by the leading and the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would teach us. I pray, Lord, that our hearts would be prepared and ready to receive, Lord, the good word that you have for us today. Father, I pray that if there's anything that we need to let go of, Lord, if there's cares or thoughts of last week or yesterday or just things that are going on, that we would just lay them at your feet and allow you to speak to us, Lord. I pray that we would leave here totally changed by the power of your word this morning. We love you and we thank you, and it's in your name that we pray. Amen. So, first off, (laughs) when I prayed, asked God, what do you want me to teach? Uh, I already had something in mind. I had this thing. I was like, cool, Lord, I want to teach on this. And then he changed everything on me and said, no, I want to teach this. And I started thinking, Lord, I haven't seen these people in two and a half years. You want me to teach out of the book of James? Like, that's not like the give me a hug, let's talk about this, let's let's catch up type of a message. Because everybody knows James has a lot of hard things to say, a lot of difficult things to say. If we know anything about the history of him as a a person, that James was the half-brother of Jesus, we know that this book is full of all kinds of wisdom, yet, as I said, it's hard to digest at times. So when I looked at these, I was like, Lord, I don't know if that's the message that I want to bring. He's like, that's cool because that's the message that I want you to bring. And James here is breaking down two what I think are extremely important points for us as believers. The first being the the importance of hearing God's word and the second of doing God's word. And I got to be honest with you. I feel like there is a very big disconnect between us hearing it and actually doing it. I've struggled with that in my life. Is there anybody here that can say that you've struggled with actually doing what God's word says? Absolutely. But James here is saying these two things, are they can't be separated. You can't separate and just say, oh, I'm all here. I'm only here. I only hear the word. You can't just be a doer. You have to hear and do the word. But there is a right way that we are to hear the word of God. Did you know that? There's a right and a proper way on how we receive what God has for us. And once we have received the word the correct way, we then have to do something with it. We don't just take it, eat it, and just get fat. We actually have to use it. we got to get it out. We have to do something with what we've been given. There is a responsibility. There's a word that we don't like to use very often. My kids hate that word. There's a responsibility placed upon those who receive the word of God. Did you know that when you came in here today? I got to be honest, I I forget this sometimes. I would sit in a church service and I would just hear and walk away going, man, that was great, and then do nothing with it. And oftentimes that's what uh, is kind of our Christian walk is we just sit, we hear, we leave and do nothing. The word of God cannot work in our lives unless we receive it the right way, church. Jesus himself not only said when he was teaching crowds to pay attention to what you hear, he said to take care of how you hear it. Be prepared to hear the word. Too many people are in the tragic condition in which hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. 
Jesus said those very words, speaking of the Pharisees, who, in all honesty, those guys should have been the ones to understand what Jesus had to say, and yet they didn't. These people that are like this, they attend Bible study, they come to church services, but they never seem to grow. Now the question is, is that the fault of the teacher or the preacher? Maybe. But it could also be the fault of the hearer. Again, did you know that you had a responsibility placed upon you when you heard the word of God? James refers to the word of God being planted in our hearts. He's referencing the word of and being like a seed. Now, I didn't know much about seeds or planting or gardens until I moved to Gilroy. We live on a farm. <laughs> I see guys out there every single day till 1030 at night, tractors, planting corn and all kinds of things. But James uses the same type of illustration, and yet he is borrowing from Jesus' own teaching when he taught on the parable of the sower. Do you guys remember that parable that Jesus talked about? Jesus was down by the sea, and a group of people came, and they began to listen to him. And Jesus taught them in parables. And, and during that time, he spoke about a farmer who went out to sow seed and how the seed was scattered and it fell on different soils and all these different things. And then after that, the disciples are coming to Jesus and like, why do you speak in parables? Oh, we don't get it. We don't understand. And, and what's cool about that particular parable is Jesus actually takes the time to explain what the parable means. And so this morning, I just want to read you Jesus' response as he's telling the disciples what it means in Matthew chapter 13, which I believe we have on the screen, so you don't have to turn there. But it says in Matthew 13, beginning in verse 18, it says, Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This, is, this was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself but endures for a while, and when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for those... Also, as for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but, he, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case, a hundredfold, and another sixty, and in another thirty. This is a very famous parable, I'm sure, that we're all well acquainted with, for the most part. But Jesus here compares God's word to seed, and he, com he compares the human heart to soil. That's the illustration that he's using. In his parable, Jesus describes four kinds of hearts. And they're represented. There's the, the hard heart, which did not understand or receive the word, and so therefore it bore no fruit. Then you've got the shallow heart, which was very emotional but had no depth, and it bore no fruit. You've got the crowded heart, which lacked repentance and permitted sin uh, to crowd out the word. There was no room for the good seed to fall there. And then finally, you have the fruitful heart, which received the word, allowed it to take root, and produced a harvest of fruit. So Jesus himself talked about the conditions of the heart and how a person receives the word of God as it's sown out there. What I love about that parable is there's no issue with the, with the farmer the sower. There's no issue with the seed, but the issue lies within the conditions of the soil, which are represented as being different types of hearts. I guarantee you this morning, as we're all sitting here, there, there are different types of soil in here. There are different types of hearts. 
The seed is going out, and where that seed falls, I don't know, but you and the Holy Spirit know. Did you know that when we approach hearing the Word of God, that it would do us well if we prayed and asked God to prepare our hearts to receive what He has for us? As a teacher and a preacher, I put a lot of time and a lot of energy into preparing messages, to prepare myself, to prepare my heart, my mind. As I taught this parable a couple of weeks ago at our church, I was convicted by the idea that I need to be just as prepared to hear someone else teach the Word of God as I would put in the time and energy to prepare to teach the Word of God. A lot of times we say, well, I'm preaching or I'm doing a ministry, so I need to put in special time. No, every single time we have an opportunity to hear the Word of God, we need to pray right then and right there, God, prepare my heart to receive what you have for me. So we can leave here and not waste time. Because in all honesty, if we don't come here prepared and anticipating to get something from God's word, then we're wasting our time. Go have brunch. Go do something. Like, I mean, in all honesty, I was thinking about this. And I was kind of weird thing to say, and I'm not trying to get people to leave the church. But I just am saying this, man. Like, in all honesty, like, there's other things you could go do. But if you see the value of God's word in your life, then come prepared to hear it and receive it. And then allow him to take what he gives you and go put it into action. If the seed of God's word is to be planted in our hearts, then we must obey the instruction that James gives us here in verse 19. So look back at James chapter 1 verse 19. First thing he says, understand this. And I love it. He addresses, he says, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. James, I love here, as he's addressing these people, he addresses them, speaking to them as brothers and sisters. James is talking to family. There's a connection here. He has a heart for these people. He goes on and says, you must all, and I underline that in my Bible, all. He says, you must all be, this applies to everyone. It's not just a select few or a group. He says, you must all be, the first thing he says, is quick to listen. How many of you are good at that? If you raise your hand, I'm going to say you're probably on the verge of lying. <laughs> quick to listen is what James starts off with. And I started thinking about, like, what does that really mean? Well, just as, as a servant would be quick to hear their master's voice or a mother is quick to hear her baby's smallest cry. You guys all know that. For those of you that have had kids, you can hear a baby's cry from miles away. For me or my kids, it's like I can hear the ice cream man from like two miles away. We were, it's funny, we live in the country and we don't have the ice cream man. And like a week ago, I'm sitting on the porch and all of a sudden I'm like, that's an ice cream man. I took it to my wife and it was funny because my kids don't even really know what that is. And all of a sudden Jonah runs out and he's like waving at everyone. I'm like, you can't wave at him, he'll stop and we don't have money. <laughs> but your, your ear is, is, is quick to hear. You're quick to hear the things that you want to hear. And that is what James is saying. He said, you need to be quick to listen to what God has to say. I started to realize that when I come into a church service or a Bible study or at any time that the word of God is going to be opened, I need to come ready to listen quickly. With that same intensity that a mom is, is, or a dad is trained to hear their kids cry. That's, I, I need to hear what the Lord has for me. 
Not walking in these doors and thinking, well, I hope God, no, God has something to say to you today. And you need to come with anticipation and, and be quick to hear it. That's the first thing he says. The second thing he says, you must all be slow to speak. Who's got that down? What I have found in my experience is that we often have these things flipped, right? We're slow to listen <laughs> and we're quick to speak. How many of you have found that that is not a good formula to do life? And yet it's crazy if you give the year or the two years that it's been, and especially with the pandemic, it's all about being quick, being quick to speak about anything. I'm just going to say whatever I want. But if you think about I was thinking about this. God gave us two ears and one mouth. You've heard that saying before. And, and there must be a very definite reason for that. That's his design. And it, it honestly, what it does is it should remind us that we ought to listen more than we speak. And how are we doing with that, church? Especially in the day and age that we have, we can, we can get on, on social media and say whatever we want, whenever we want, however we want, doesn't matter. But when was the last time that you actually stopped and paused for a minute and said, you know what, I need to just listen and hear what's going on before I speak. Too many times we argue with God's word. If not audibly, then within our own hearts. And we ought not to do that. I mean, you might hear a message. You might hear somebody read a portion of scripture or say something that's directly from the word of God. And you just, you wrestle with it. And you're like, you got something to say about it. I've heard verses in my life where I'm like, I don't want to hear that right now. And I was quick to speak about it. I wanted to argue about it. And I can't argue with it. I should have been slow to listen. So James is giving us the formula on how we should receive God's word. Be slow, uh, be slow to speak about it. Just be quick to listen. Pump the brakes a little bit and just let it digest. Let, let it just kind of marinate there for a second. I mean, in context, we have to remember that James is talking to a bunch of people, these believers who are scattered throughout the Roman Empire, and they are under unbelievable persecution during this time. And you and I know very well that when we are going through difficult times as a culture and society, it's easy to just kind of use that to loosen our tongues and say whatever we want to say. Why? Well, because the world's going to hell in a handbasket, so I can say whatever I want. I very much look at those types of things. I'm like, you know what? Everything stinks anyways. I might as well just say what I feel about it and think about it. And these people probably had those moments where it's like, you know what? We're under intense persecution, so I can just say whatever I want. And James says, you know what? Don't forget that God is good. We just sang a song, and I'll be honest with you, sometimes I struggle with hearing those types of things. God is good. Okay, but it doesn't feel like it right now. And then that gives me the license to just say and do whatever I want to do. And, and James is saying, God is good, and what's happening to you is going to work out for good ultimately. Therefore, don't be cynical. Don't be quick to complain about your situation. Instead, stop speaking and start listening. As a parent, I find myself constantly saying this to my children. I love it. My two kids, I mean, they're, they're, you guys all saw them. They're getting bigger. And they just go to war every single day to the point to where my wife and I the other day, we grabbed the little one because we're afraid he won't make it if we're gone. We threw him in the car and we told the rest of the kids, we're leaving. We don't want to hear you anymore. We're done with all this stuff. Bye. And we went away, went to Costco, and we're just like, we're just we're done. I don't want to deal with this anymore. They're constantly fighting. They're constantly talking. I love it. I'll be sitting out here studying and I can't remember how many times my, my wife brought out two of the boys. They're always coming out in twos. Sits them down and like, they're in here fighting again. I'm like, I look at them. I'm like, are you kidding me? And the first thing out of their mouth, oh, they all make their cases and their arguments and they want to talk. And I'm always saying, shut your mouth. 
Listen to what I have to say. And James, in a loving way, is telling everyone, hey, you know what? I know the situations are rough. I know that life is hard. Do me a favor. Shut your mouth and just listen for a little bit. When I was reading and I was thinking about this, it started to remind me, and many of you knew him, of how my dad was. My dad was very quick to listen and very slow to speak, sometimes too slow. <laughs> you all know what I'm talking about. Did you ever, I was, I was telling somebody this uh, last week, I let my dad teach on a Sunday here once. <laughs> because my father was slow to speak and after, it used to bug me so much. Like I'd be like ranting and raving, very much like my mother, very, very, we gotta talk about it now. My dad was always just chill. <laughs> and that's what James is saying, man, just, just chill. Because our mouths get us into a lot of trouble. Somebody say amen. <laughs> I've got into more trouble because of my mouth than anything. And James knew this. We profess to believe one thing, but then we often betray it with what comes out of our mouths the next second. How can we sit here and say that God is good and then tomorrow we're going to be complaining and yelling and all oh, this and all this crazy stuff is going on and we're just, we just said God's good. Jesus himself said the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Step back on that for a second. Think of that sign where you flew off, your mouth just flew off and then think about it you're like, that's what's in my heart. Jesus said that this is in my heart. But when we discipline ourselves to listen more than we talk, we can actually learn a lot. There are times when I've gone to the Lord, I'm like, God, I need you to speak to me now. I need to know something. You know what? He's silent. And those are the times where he's like, I just need you to go into a moment of just listening. Just be still and listen to what I say. And you know what happens when those, even though they're frustrating, I walk out of there getting so much out of it. Patience. So we're supposed to be slow to anger. We're supposed to be quick to listen. And then James goes on and says, you must all be slow to anger. (laughs) Slow to anger. I wish that this was something that I had down. Live in my house for 15 minutes. And you'll know that I am not slow to anger at times. But James is basically saying in context, don't get angry at God or his word. Have you ever been angry at something that you read in the word that God gave you, like God's word? You're like, I don't like that, God. And that's okay. David had times where he didn't like what God had to say. There's all kinds of examples of that. But have you yourself, I mean, you you got so angry. It's like, that's not what I've had people come up to me and they'll tell me something. And I'm like, I don't want to hear that right now. Even though everything you're saying is completely true. I just don't want to hear it. I want to be angry. Now we know from the Bible that there's godly anger against sin. We know that we are to love the things that God loves and hate the things that he hates. But man's anger, James says, does not produce God's righteousness. He says that in verse 20. He says, human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. Oh man, how many times have I blown it? (laughs) It's like God had a desire that he wanted something else to happen in a situation, but I was quick to get angry about it, and I just completely blew it up. 
James is saying, don't, don't do that. And often the reason we get, we're so quick to get angry is because we're not quick to listen and we're not slow to speak. And so that's what gets produced. Just anger. What are you angry about? I don't know. I'm just mad. I'm just angry about everything. That's what is happening. Have you ever met like the people out there? They're just angry. Everything that comes out of their mouth is anger, 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 anger. Everything they say is negative, 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 negative. It's like, ah, are you kidding me? There's been people in my own life, people very close to me in the recent months, that I'm like, dude, it's already tough enough living in a pandemic. And to listen to you complain and be mad about everything, it's just, it's worse. So just, we're not friends anymore. <laughs> Can't be around you. You're draining. And in fact, this anger is the opposite of the patience that God wants to produce within us. Did you know that God wants you to be patient? Now, you all know we got five kids. That's tested every moment of the day. Patience. But even with that, you and my family, everybody, God wants us to have patience. He wants to produce this within us. He wants to produce it, and that shows that we're maturing in Christ. If you are constantly flying off of the handle, and you are constantly angry and bitter about everything, you are spiritually immature, is what James is saying. See, when we are obeying these things, when we are quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger, we are mature in Christ. I don't care if you've been walking with the Lord for 60 years. You're still immature. Why? Because you fly off the handle like a spoiled little brat. Like my six or seven-year-old, when I tell him you can't have a Slurpee at 10 o'clock in the morning. My kid just popped up during worship, and I look over, and I'm like, where did you get that? Um, we're at Resilient Life. Okay, dude, I remember this. James warns us against getting angry at God's word because it reveals our sin to us. See, the, when, when we are beginning to get angry, we just don't like what we hear or like what we see in the word. Like the man who broke the mirror because he didn't like the image that it cast. People rebel against God's word because it tells the truth about them and their sinfulness. Instead of getting angry at God's word, we should be thankful for it, church. We should be thankful that God loves us enough to tell us, hey, you're messing up. You're doing it wrong, and my heart is for you to change. But oftentimes we read something and we get convicted by it, and that's one of the things my wife, she's learned this. She's like a ninja at times, where I'm just, I'm just being a pain, okay? I'm in the flesh, and she'll reference some sort of Bible verse or tell me to read my Bible, and I try to find some, some other Bible verse to trump the Bible verse that she said because I have so much taken pride in me. When I should just receive it. Knowing that the anger, doesn't, the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So James goes on to say in verse 21, he says, Okay, so get rid of all filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts for it has the power to save your souls. James viewed the human heart as a garden and saying that if it's left to itself that it would produce only weeds so he urged his listeners to pull out the weeds within their heart and within their lives prepare the soil for the word of God to be planted the phrase here they use filth and evil gives the picture of an overgrown uh, garden uh, with, with weeds that cannot be controlled. It's kind of out of control. It, it's foolish to try and receive God's word in an unprepared heart. Jesus even referenced this in the parable of the soils. He said, like, hey, there's a heart that's crowded. 
It's got so much stuff that when the good seed of the word is planted, it's choked out and it has no effect, so therefore it bears no fruit. James is referencing the same idea here. He's like, hey man, get the weeds out of your garden. Get the weeds out of your heart. Make room for the good seed of the word to be planted in your life so that it would bear fruit in your life. That's what James is saying here. Now, some people hear this and they start going on this trip where it's like, I got to start only eating, you know, I got to be a vegan. I got to do like all this crazy stuff over here. It's like, no, dude, we're not saying that. But we all know the junk and the wickedness that is in our hearts. And we have to say, you know what, God, I need this to be removed. So the question comes, how do we prepare the soil of our hearts for the word of God? First step is to confess sin and ask God to forgive us. That's the first. You come and say, God, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. That's, the, that's setting the table for God to do the work. The second thing is then meditating and focusing on God's love and grace. Asking him then, God, please plow up any hardness in my heart. Lord, even the things that I'm not aware of, like find those things, stir them up, bring them to the surface, and let's remove them. Let's do business. Let's do work, Lord. My heart is yours giving him access. And finally, we must have an attitude, James says, of humility. You want to stop something real quick from ever being fruitful in your life? Just be prideful. I mean, think about how that affects you in your day-to-day life. The things that, that, that are stretched out and go on forever simply because of pride. Which there's a classic story. My wife and I, we always laugh about it when we were first were married. We were arguing for days. Newlyweds, you know, trying to figure out life. And we, we both like to argue. But my wife, she told me, I was like, it was like, this was like after two or three days. She's like, I knew you were right. I just couldn't let it go. I was like, are you kidding me? It's been three days of hell. And she's like, and that's the same way that we are with our pride. We can come into a church service, we can open up the word, and we have pride in our hearts, and therefore we will leave here never changing. We'll walk out of here just as miserable than when we came in. And then we're going to wonder, well, how come it didn't work? Man, Keefing must have been off today. (laughs) Oh, you know what it is? They brought Nick back. That's why. Again, the sower wasn't the issue. The seed wasn't the issue. The issue was the hearts. When you receive the word of God with humility, you accept it. You receive it and you don't try to argue with it. And you honor it as being the word of God. You don't try to twist it or conform it to uh, your way of thinking. And many people don't hear from the Lord when they read the word of God because they lack a spirit of humility before the Lord. Honestly, when we come before the Lord, we should just be grateful and thankful that he even wants to speak to us. I don't know if any of you came in here today thinking, well, I deserve to hear from the Lord today. You better speak to me, God. No, we honestly, if we're really, really, really real about it, we should be coming in here and just completely humbled by the fact that God even wants to be involved in our lives. That he looks at us with compassion and says, I want to help you. I want to show you things. I want to do things in you and through you. That should humble us right away. James has emphasized the importance of hearing God's word. He's told us how to hear God's word correctly. 
And then he encourages you and I to be diligent in preparing our hearts to hear God's word. And then James says this in verse 22, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise you are only fooling yourselves. And that's where it gets a little like, that stings a little, <laughs> a little, just kind of pokes you in the chest a bit. It's not enough to hear the word. We must do it is what James is saying. Many people have the mistaken idea that hearing a good sermon or a Bible study makes them grow and gets God's blessing. But it's not the hearing, but the doing that brings the blessing James has just told us. And some might sit there and get confused for a minute and say, well, wait a minute, Nick, it's not about works. You're saved by grace. Absolutely, yes and amen all day long. You are saved by grace. We're not talking about salvation here. We're talking about what happens after salvation. I'm saved. Praise God. By his grace and his mercy, I've been saved. Okay, now, every time you hear the word of God, go do something with it, is what James is saying. Don't just keep consuming and consuming. Don't become a consumer Christian. It was Warren Wiersbe, one of my favorite uh, preachers. I love his commentary. He said this. He says, too many Christians mark their Bibles, but their Bibles never mark them. And when I heard that, I got a little, ah, I don't like that. A little salty there, Warren. But I started to think about that for a second. And I'm not, honestly, I'm not throwing shade on anybody who marks up their Bible or draws really cute cartoons. I've seen people that have completely changed their Bibles into artwork. It looks amazing. I'm not saying that. But I like what he's saying because he's saying to many Christians that, that mark their Bibles, he says, but their Bibles don't mark them. I've had many people bring me Bibles and see all kinds of amazing highlighters and all this different stuff, and I see no effect of it in their life. But their Bible's cool. <laughs> I'm not saying you shouldn't do that. What I'm saying is that don't just mark it in your Bible. Let your Bible mark you. If you think that you're spiritual because you hear the word, James says you are fooling yourself is what he's told us. Well, I went to church. I heard a message. Good job. Now what? What'd you do with it? Uh, what? What was this? That's the part that you're supposed to go do something. In the previous paragraph, James compared the word to seed. And here he compares it to a mirror. Look at verse 23. It says, for if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. What is being described here is examination. This is the main purpose for owning a mirror. So that you're able to see for yourself and, and make yourself look as clean as possible. I would gather to say that many of us looked at a mirror this morning before we came to church. Unless you're my sons. But we spend time in the mirror and the object of the mirror is we don't just walk by it, but we look and we try to figure out what's going on. You know, I had uh, toast with peanut butter and honey on it the other day. <laughs> and uh, there was some peanut butter on my face. I didn't leave not taking care of that. I looked at it and immediately was like, what is that? And I studied it and I got, I was like, oh, I got to get, I got to take care of that. I wasn't going to walk away forgetting that there's peanut butter on my face. And so he's using some imagery here. As we look into the mirror of God's word, we see ourselves for who we really and truly are. James mentioned several mistakes that people make as they look at God's mirror, as they look into scripture, as they look at the word and they see things, there's mistakes that they make. First, they only glance at themselves. 
Very rarely do we ever walk past a mirror and just glance at ourselves. I found myself standing in front of the mirror, and I don't even know why. It's just a mirror. It's just there. You're there. You're looking. You're, you're looking. But he's saying these people, they look at God's word, and they just kind of glance over it. They do not carefully study themselves as they read the word. Or they're constantly reading the words with other people in mind. Don't do that. Read the Bible with yourself in mind. Many sincere believers read a chapter of the Bible each day. But it is only a righteous exercise that fails to profit them personally. Their conscience would bother them if they did not have their daily reading. Oh, I didn't read today. I didn't read today. But their conscience actually should be bothered because they read the word carelessly. Now, this isn't anything to say against that you shouldn't read your Bible, do daily devotions, or get on a, a Bible reading plan. I'm not saying that. But there are many, and I myself included, who we just are, I, I, three days went by and I got to read like 60 chapters. <laughs> and you read those 60 chapters, and you're like, I don't even know what I read. But I read the 60 chapters. Click on my little app. I'm good. I made it through. We're caught up. That's not how we should treat the Word of God. I, uh, I get together with a group of guys every other week. I'm teaching them how to study the Word of God and then be able to teach the Word of God. And I tell them, even as we sit and they look at it as like it's like practice, I'm like, dude, there's no practice when it comes to opening up the Word of God. The Word of God is going to speak to us today, gentlemen, <laughs> and we need to be ready to receive it. And that's what he's saying. I mean, you, you realize, like, hey, it's not just casual reading that's taking place. A casual reading of the Bible will never reveal our deepest needs. I'm not saying that you can't get by or even live off of a verse or something that you read on a coffee mug. (laughs) But when we just do that, it's the difference between a photo and an x-ray. You know, we can take pictures and we see stuff on the surface, but an x-ray gets in there and shows you exactly what you need to see. Shows you what the issues are. And that's why we need to spend time looking and gazing into God's mirror of his word. The second mistake they do is that they forget what they see. Has anybody really ever done that? It's kind of comical what James is saying. He's like, no, that's not sensible. That doesn't make any sense. You don't forget. Again, unless you're one of my kids, the Kool-Aid goatee on their face, and they're just like, oh, I'm good. Let's go. Let's go to church. But if they were looking deeply enough into their hearts, what they would see would be unforgettable. Have you ever read scripture and just had a moment where you're just, it just, it just cuts you to the core? Or you're just like, oh, wow, that's me. (laughs) It has revealed so much to you. The person that only hears God's word without doing it has the same sense and stability as a person who looks into a mirror and immediately forgets what they saw. The information they receive has no effect and does no good in their life. Mistake number three that James says, he says that they fail to obey the word, what the word tells them to do. We think that hearing is the same as doing in church. It is simply not. We Christians enjoy substituting reading for doing or even talking for doing. We hold endless meetings and conferences on topics like evangelism and church growth, and we think that we've made progress. And honestly, I mean, there's certainly nothing wrong with conferences or meetings, but they're sinful if they are substituted for service. Again, going back to the idea of just consuming, 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 but never actually giving out. 
And that is really what James is trying to sum up here. He says it's not, it's, it's, this is the practice of what we do when we hear God's word. We're supposed to do something with it. And a quick glance at God's word will never do. And I didn't come up here to beat you up about why you don't do daily devotions. I'm just trying to bring to you the importance of understanding and spending time in God's word. Being prepared and receiving it the right way. Making the most of it. We must examine our own hearts and lives in light of God's word. And in order to do this, this requires attention. It requires uh, a sincere devotion. Five minutes with God each day will never accomplish deep spiritual examination. I'm not saying that you shouldn't get a snack. You shouldn't have a snack of God's word and have something to carry you through the day. What I'm saying is that if you really are wanting your life to be changed, you need to spend more than five minutes with God. I started thinking on what level would five minutes in any type of relationship really work? Right? I mean, for some of us who've been married for a long time, you're thinking five minutes is totally enough time to talk to my spouse. I don't need any more time than five minutes. You guys all know those days. <laughs> but five minutes with the Lord is, is not enough. And I'm not saying you've got to become a monk, move into a cave, and you can just spend countless hours reading scriptures in Hebrew. But you need to make intentional time for it. God, I, I, I want to hear from you. I'm prepared to hear from you. The emphasis in James is on the practice of God's word. And I think we spend a lot of our times in our lives just kind of consuming, but very rarely does it cross over to actually practicing what it is that we've heard. And I can only say that in my, for myself personally, and that's where kind of going back to the beginning of all this, where it came where it was very good to hear. It was very easy for me to stand here every week and tell you all what to do. <laughs> Say, God's word says do this. God's word, and it became a completely different thing when God said, well, why don't you go do this, Nick? I can't, Lord. You have a position for me to do this. Thing. I made all kinds of excuses. He's like, are you going to practice what you've been preaching? As I said, the emphasis here in this portion of Scripture is on the practice of God's Word. We are to keep going after we read it. It all begins once you leave here today. Why does James call the Word of God the perfect law that sets you free? Because when we obey it, God sets us free. It's not just mentally agreeing with the Word. We, we can do that all day long. Yep, yep. amen, amen, yeah, yeah. No, it, the freedom comes when we actually start doing what God's word tells us to do. Jesus said, and we'll begin to wrap this up. He said in John chapter 8, verse 31, he says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. When we obey his word, we grow and spiritual truth. And as we grow in spiritual truth, we grow in freedom from sin. And that is when you and I are truly being his disciples. There's nothing, church, like the freedom that we have in Jesus. No money can buy it. There's not a price that you can pay 
No status can't obtain it. I don't care how far you get in life or in your job or whatever. You can't obtain it. No works can earn it. And it's not about how much time you put into serving or things like that. How many miles you can get on your spiritual engine. And nothing can match it. There's nothing like the freedom that we can have in Jesus. The word disciple means disciplined one. Who are Jesus' disciples? The disciplined ones. Those who continue in and and take heed to and make a high priority of hearing and doing his word. Those are who he calls his disciples. We've been teaching through the gospel of Matthew at our church and I've been enjoying it and realizing, man, Jesus had multitudes, huge crowds. And yet when you think of all the people they talked to, to who actually transferred over and were doing the things they were talking about, significantly smaller. We know from certain portions of scripture that when many heard the things that he said, they walked away because it was too hard. Church, there's a responsibility that falls on us when we hear the word of God. And my prayer is that we would be responsible with what and how we hear the word. And then go and do what God's word tells us to do. And then in turn, truly live in freedom. Amen. Church, I, uh, upon coming here, was listening to your pastor's teaching from last week. And it's been two, almost two and a half years since I've heard Keefing teach. And as I heard it, no joke, there was like a little bit of tears that came out. And I was like, I don't recognize this guy. I was thinking, I'm going to go back. The teaching here is so good, church. Because he's not teaching his words. He's teaching you God's word. And the responsibility from that point, when you come and you hear God's word, there's a responsibility placed on you to receive it the right way. And then go, as James tells us, go and be a doer of God's word. And I don't know what that looks like. You might say, well, we live in the middle of a pandemic. Nick, we can't go to places, can't do these things. You know what? Technology has been crazy. It works. I've had countless conversations, text messages. And God is, I honestly think that during this whole crazy pandemic, that ministry has been more effective. And we can sit back and we can grumble and complain about how we can't do this and how we have to wear these stupid masks and all these different things and burn so much energy doing that and yet miss the harvest that's in front of us, church. So my prayer, personal prayer for Resilient Life Church is this. Honestly, I'm so stoked because you guys truly are living up to the name. If you remember, Resilient no matter what happens, you might be twisted and banged up, and all that, but you never lose form. I'll never forget. It's really funny. But the pastor that I serve under now, when he heard that we chose Resilient Life as the name of the church, he's like, ooh, that's a bold name. And I was like, well, it's bold, but it represents these people so well. You guys all know we've gone through a lot of things together. But my heart, as I said when I got here, I'm full because I look out and I still see you guys continuing in the faith. And I remember it was like like scriptures where Paul longed to be with people, longed to go back and see friends and groups. But he, he would hear reports and his heart was overwhelmed with joy. 
And I stand here before you today with my family, and you know we are so blessed by what God is doing and has been doing through your guys' lives here at Resilient Life. I'm glad. I was uh, this last year. I can't even tell you how many churches I heard that closed their doors. And the fact that you guys are still here, still serving the Lord, still worshiping Him, is a testimony. And for that, I'm I'm grateful to be able to come back and see this again. So, thank you guys so much for having us here. Let's pray. I think we have more worship. Is that what we? I don't know what we do. I'm a guest here. I'm just I'm visiting. I don't know what's happening. But let's pray. Father, I thank you so much, Lord. Um, just first and foremost, again, for your word. Lord, I pray, uh, Lord, that it would have fallen on good soil today, Lord. I pray, Lord, that it would take root and that it would produce, Lord, uh, in our lives. Father, I want to pray for Resilient Life Church, Lord, that you would continue as you have been so faithful, Lord, over these last couple of years. But, Lord, that you would continue, God, to do a work in and through this body of believers. Lord, I, I look and I realize that, yes, we might be at different places, and uh, we're in Gilray, and they're healing people, but we're still part of the same church. So, Father, I am so encouraged and blessed by coming here and seeing what you're doing. And I pray that you would continue to strengthen. I pray that you would continue to provide. Lord, I pray that you would draw more people to this place where they would come and hear the good word of God. Lord, we just love you so much. Thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy that you have placed upon us, Lord. Would you please be blessed by the praises of your people now? And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.
Well, the Lord spoke. And He spoke loud and clear. Crystal clear, uh, to be exact. He couldn't, I couldn't, no one could come up with that specific message and that specific portion of Scripture other than the Lord. And the importance, you know, as I heard Pastor Nick teach, I kept hearing the word obedience. Obedience. It's synonymous with following Jesus. We can't be faithful to Jesus without being obedient. And and that's where it comes into play about not only hearing, not only hearing with the right heart and coming with the right attitude, but doing in, in humility. And so I share that because you look at the condition of the world today. And that word is so timely because days are going to get darker. Don't run from it. Be aware that as things continue to pop off between the Palestinians and the Israelites over there in the Gaza Strip and all the stuff that's going on in in America, in our country, how there's just all kind of unrest, it's going to get darker. But the church is supposed to get brighter. (laughs) The church is supposed to get brighter. The church is a beacon of hope for people who were lost in a dark place where they don't know what's going on. I don't know how people are surviving without Jesus right now. And how can the church get brighter unless what James was talking about? We need to be right when we hear the word of God. We need to do more than just hear the word of God. But we must, we must be doers of the word. And that way, we can be, so to speak, used as a sanctuary for people. And people will not see us, but they'll see Jesus. They'll be drawn to the love of Jesus Christ and the redemption in Him. And they can be forgiven for their sins. And they can live in peace despite the turmoil going on all around them. Don't you recognize that you have the peace you have when you turn on the news and you see all the calamity and the darkness because you have Jesus in you. And your desire and my desire should be doers getting feet to the word of God and sharing that with as many people as he puts in our sphere of influence. Amen? I'm I'm, I'm moved not by by Pastor Nick, but, but, but how the Lord used him. And I, I, I cannot shake that. that. That was a poignant word that was specifically for if no one else, <laughs> for me. And, and it's just great to know, you know, how, uh, he, he, I'm not preaching, but I got to share this real quick. He mentioned, what's a practical way that we could see this play out? Start with where you're at. Start with where you're at. Start in your own home. There's no better stomping ground to be a doer of the word than in your family. Maybe you sat down and you, you, you just had a long day and you're about to eat your meal and your wife or your child asks for something. Don't grumble about it. Get up. Yes, you have the right to eat, but have a great servant heart about it and love the fact that you get to actually be a servant. That's such a blessing. Um, before I pray and, and end this service, I do want Pastor Nick to come up. And i like the men of the church to come up and I'd like to pray for him and his family. I think that this was an important 
thing that happened today. I don't necessarily think has anything to do with closure or anything like that. I just think it's a, uh, it's it's the the Lord. I spoke about this a couple weeks ago. How the Lord sees fit to do things, we need to allow Him to do things. We can get in a in a routine where we just we're just doing what we're doing. The Lord is in the business of shaking things up. Amen. And I, I believe this was a shakeup to bring Pastor Nick back to share what's gone on in his life since he's left in his family's life and where he's at now and for him to bring the word. And I, I, I just pray that we were blessed, that you were blessed by what the Lord did through him uh, this morning. And I'd like to just pray a special blessing over him and his family as they continue to look to be obedient and to serve the Lord in everything they do. Amen. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just come before you as servants with open hands, willing to do whatever it is you call us to do, no matter how difficult that may be in the moment. Our hearts are to to be obedient. And so we call upon you to give us the strength to do so, to give us the wisdom to know when to say yes and when to say no. And Father, I I just pray a special blessing over Pastor Nick. Lord, I thank you for... uh, you just continuing to keep your hand upon him and your hedge of protection around him, Lord. Uh, I know that there has been moments that, that have not been easy. But it's in those difficult times of life that we see the most growth, that we see the most maturity. It is in those times where we see your, your desire for us and your design for us the clearest. So I pray, Father, that you continue to uh, just bless this man with vision, Bless them with direction. Your word says where there's no vision, where there's no direction, the people perish. So I pray that you would continue to give them direction, give them spiritual insight on what you would have them to do, and that you would watch over his family. Lord, we're, we're grateful just to see them all healthy and strong, uh, mostly strong in you. So, Father, uh, bless them coming in, bless them going out. Father, we thank you for them. It's in Jesus Christ's name that we pray. Amen. All right, I'll go ahead and pray, and I'll end the service. Heavenly Father, just thank you for... Your work, Lord, you do a mighty work that only you could do. And we're so grateful that we are in your midst, that we get to glean from your truth. Help us today to be doers of your word. We, we don't want to just hear your word. We want to do it. We don't want to just hear it. We want to hear it with the right heart. So please do a transformation. Do that heart transplant that only you can do. We don't want to live this life with stony hearts. There's too many stony hearts around us. May we be hearts of flesh that can reflect the love of Jesus Christ to those around us. And and maybe, just maybe, they would turn from their ways as well and turn to you. But use us, Father. Let us be clean vessels for your usage. Father, we thank you and we love you. We pray this all in Jesus Christ's precious name. And the church said, Amen. 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 God bless you and enjoy your afternoon.